guy up. He'll be teaching us on being a teacher. And then at some point, Chris Poos is going to leave one. And he's, he's, uh, he's struggling right as we speak. Never checked it this so, you know, I'm scared to death, but that's a, that's a good feeling. You're not scared that you should know audio comes up. And I think Mark's going to do one, and, and uh, I forget Scott's going to do one. into this and to give you an update on what's going on in this letter. Remember, always remember, this letter was not written to you. Okay? It was written to the church, to Timothy, who was a preacher at the church at Ephesus. Now, we can learn a whole lot from what he writes, but he was not writing to us. Always remember that when you read this stuff. Let's see, let me find what can I glean out of this? What can I take out of this that I can apply to today because not all of it will fit so we're going to look at the things that do, the general things that do fit. What is it? What are the things that I need to know so that I can learn from this? So because you're going to see right away, it's, you know, it really doesn't fit what's going on in our culture today. But we'll look at that. What he's, what he's told us, okay, is that the church is everything. The church is God's household. What he's told us already. That's what he's told Timothy to. to That it is a pillar and foundation of the truth. That's important, guys. Because if we don't have the truth, if we don't understand what this is, what it means, how important it is, and we don't strive with everything we have to find out what's the truth, there's a lot of stuff out there that's not true. Does It's not biblical. He's going to start talking about that. Especially in the second we're going to talk about it a bunch. So what, it, what, is, not, what is the truth? Okay, we're going to look at all that stuff as we go along in this. But, you know, we we have to understand, and I know there's a lot of folks that don't even know, well, I don't know why I believe in the Bible. I don't know why I want to believe in the Bible. You know, what do I care? Because it's the only, it's only, it's the only compilation of documents that you have that are as precise and as, and as full of eyewitness accounts that you're going to find. 
You're not going to find it anywhere else. And it's eyewitness accounts that were that were done during the account and the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. And they're historical documents. They prove prophecies. They are they are were told by the, we were told by the people that sent them and eyewitnessed it said what they were writing was not from man. It was from divine. God gave it to them. That's what they said. So if that's true, that's why I believe the book. That's why I believe. And that's why I'm going to look and find out what, what's the truth. What am I going to apply to my life that's truthful? Okay? Go. You know, he tells, he tells us, he said, you know, we need to live our lives to where our good deeds are obvious. And I saw, and I didn't see it yesterday, but I know that it happened the last time we were at the lake, but I know that, that uh, some people needed our help. And Jim and Kevin or whoever that went and got their inner tube that was gone, got the boats, went and got their inner tube. You know, those are little things that many people in the world don't do anymore. You know, we, you know, y'all know that we, you know, the last time we were at the lake, we did a wedding there. We, we went and, and uh, Pam and Kim Green were married there and there was a, there was some guys, some young guys, 25, 30 year old guys that were standing over there and they joined in with us. And they thought how neat this was to watch a wedding there at the lake. Right there where we were at, right there is where we, where we, where they were married. Cole came out there and married Tim and Pam right there at the lake. And, and that was an impact. I bet those guys are still talking about that. I bet they are. That's how, that's what I'm talking about. Let our good deeds be obvious. You know, not things that you have to try to do. We're just going to be God's people and do what God would call us to do. And people are going to respond in the right way. That's what he's been telling them. Now, the Ephesus church in Ephesus is, is, is in a tough place. That's a bad place. You know, poor Timothy's got a real real challenge ahead of him, all right, to be at that place. But we're going to look at chapter 6, and here's the very first two, two verses. I'm going to tell you, here's something that we really don't deal with. We may be dealing with the aftermath, but we're not dealing with what's going on here. You know, if you understand slavery in that culture, about 50% of the Roman Empire was under slavery. You understand that? About 50%... Of the, of the empire of Rome was, was in the bond, the bond of slavery. All of Israel, all of Israel is in bondage to slavery. They're, they're enslaved by Rome. They're being dominated and decimated by the empire of Rome. If Ephesus, you know, many of the people in Ephesus are still, are, are have slaves. And so when he writes it, remember, he's writing it to them. You know, we don't have in our culture a culture of, of of slavery today. We may have a culture of aftermath of what that meant back in the 1980s. I mean, the 1880s and stuff, but not today. You know, how many of you know someone that owns a slave? You don't. But that doesn't mean the consequences of it is not still in our face and out there, and there is legitimate consequence of slavery in, in people's culture. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, the, the act of Actual slavery, physical slavery, is what he's talking about here. Listen to what he said. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching will, may not be slandered. Those who have been believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. You put yourself, try to put yourself in a mind, in a, in a culture of being a slave with an unbelieving master who is, who is uh, harsh to say, in, in a, uh, say the least, he's harsh. You know, and he 
treat you with disrespect. We treat you unfairly. I don't even know. I can't even put myself there because I don't know what it would have been like to be under the domination of someone who owned me. I don't know what that's like. I can only imagine from what I know from history and from what happened to many people in, in our culture back in, in the day. How brutal might that have been? You can tell how much Israel hated Rome because of the brutality of some of their of some of the leadership. How how brutal and what does he say for a slave in that in that situation? Treat them with full respect. Treat them because you're a Christian. Now, what if you have a master who is uh, who's and also a believer? He's worthy of double honor, not only because he's your master and you should honor him. But because he's your brother or sister in Christ. Does this sound odd to you? Does it sound like God is promoting slavery to you? I've had people tell me that. What do you think? Tell me what you think. We're all Nobody? We're all slaves to something. Well, we're going to get there, Vincent, in just a second. <laughs> I'm talking about in that culture, he gets this letter and he goes to the people in his congregation that are slaves. Maybe in this congregation, they've got whip marks on their face or on their back. Or they've got bandages on their arm. Or they've, been, or they've got a puffed up lip and a black eye because somebody beat them unmercifully. Because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And he goes to them and tells them, you need to treat him with respect. What? How easy of a teaching do you think this was for Timothy to get across to the church deficits? And then you have a, a believer who is who has a master who's a believer. And they're both in church at the same time. If you're a believer, what would you want? Need to give me my freedom. Right? Let me buy my freedom, whatever. And if the believer doesn't have him grown to that point, he said he's worth him double on Double respect. You respect him because he's a Christian, and you respect him because he's a believer. And he's a brother in Christ. Christianity's not, not easy, guys. Okay? How do we put it in our culture today? Vincent talked about it. I want you to turn to a text uh, that we're going to look at. Uh, I want you to turn to, uh, well, first of all, I want to do this first. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at, at something. It says something here that uh, that I want us to look at. I'm going to read three verses here. It says, all who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Okay? That word slandered. How is it? How would it have been possible for our for the word, the truth, to be slandered yesterday? Those of you who read the light. How would it have been possible for our our word, the word of God, to be slandered? How would it have been possible? Alright, that's I, somebody opened a night shift and brought out a whole bunch of alcohol. Alright? And we're talking about people who are, you know, that, that we're you know, that we have, we've talked to before many of y'all got there, people were talked to, and they knew who we were and where we were from. And then all of a sudden we bring out a whole bunch of, whole bunch of alcohol. How much, how much respect do they have now for what we stand for if we start to talk to See? They can slander the truth. So we have to be careful. What if, what if, uh, one of you, what if, uh, what if Paul's out there and his kids are acting like fools and he starts cussing at them? Now, what, what happens to the word of God then? Then it's what if Jeff does 
possibly imagine either one of them doing, but what if Jeff did? What, how would, what would happen? What would, what would be the consequence of how that's perceived? You know, I want you to look at the text. Look at here. First Peter chapter 3. And we'll start verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. What does he say here? Over here he says, he said, you be, you be careful how you act so nobody can slander us. Nobody can slander the word. Here he said, he said, do the same thing. He said that, that when they do it, they'll be ashamed of their slander. That they'll say it to someone and that someone will say, that's not possible. I know that person. That ain't possible. You know, you cannot talk to them about my wife. Somebody caught my wife out in the parking lot, and or, or a friend of my wife's out in the parking lot, and said something derogatory about my wife. And that person said, hold up. Hold up. You are not going to talk to her about her like that in front of me. I won't allow it. Because I know what you're telling me is garbage. You know? That's, you know, when, when the slanderous accusation that people will make say things that are unholy and ungodly about you, everybody will know that they're a liar. And that's what he says over here, how we're supposed to act. I mean, when he says, he says you, you do the right thing. When you have a master that's not a, a believer and he's treating you harshly, you treat him with respect. Okay, how do we put it in today's vernacular? How do we do it today? What about an employer? What about an employee and employer relationship? How many of you got a, how many have of you have an employer employee relationship? Numerous ones. How is how how do you take this tech truth and say I'm going to connect it to my life today? How many of you? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think, when I was work when I first started turning wrenches, I had a, a, a guy in San Antonio, Frank San Marco. I worked at San Marco Auto Repair, and I was a flunky, and he made sure that I knew that I was a flunky. He made sure I knew I didn't know nothing, and there was a possibility I'd never know nothing, and, uh, and, he, and he was a vile, just just a, you know, he, he chewed on a cigar, a little bitty one like that, and he spit all the time. He spit all over the truck, company truck, and you'd get in a truck and it had Tobacco spit all over the windshield. Just, just, you know. Of course, I'm 20 years old. 21, I don't know. I don't remember anymore. And, uh, and I quit because I met her. And I said, I'm moving. And I moved to Victoria, and I had to quit. I gave him two weeks. And, uh, and I, went in, I went into it, and I said, I said, you know, if I wasn't leaving, I didn't afraid to go to jail. I said, I'm going to take you out far enough to beat the garbage out of <laughs> I didn't, and it didn't happen. I didn't go to jail. The point is, is that he was a lousy boss, but he was a great mechanic. I learned a bunch from him. In fact, he's the one that told me, you need to start working on this kind of car because that's what you're good at. And, uh, because then we had a, a particular kind of car came in, and I, and I worked through my lunch. I never did that. Never did that. And I did that whole job myself. And he said, I don't know, I'm going to call somebody. You need my guts. You can't stand it. You know, 
It was just, it's just it was who he was. Sometimes you can walk, and it's just their personality, and you have to kind of weed through it, navigate through it, and figure out. It doesn't take away what you're supposed to be. I was not a good employee. I was not. I, I, I wasn't. I learned how to be a better one down the road, but I was not a good employee. You know, he should have fired me numerous times. He didn't. You know, so now as I look back on it, thinking, you know, maybe he should have taken me out of the parking lot and the garbage out of me. That's probably what should have happened. And it probably would have happened, too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But the point is that, you know, in, in a boss-employee relationship, sometimes it's not going to go well. It doesn't matter if we're Christian. How do we conduct ourselves in, because we are the household of God? How do we conduct ourselves? You know, sometimes it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you, it's hard sometimes. You know, I mean, when you have a boss that's a, that's a member of the church and you see them not acting like they're supposed to, it's hard. It is. I understand that. But he says here, he said, because others are watching, outside is watching, and God is always watching. God's always watching. And what is his, what, what is his criteria? To live according to what he's taught us and what he's what the saint is in. We're the church, guys. And the people are going to figure out what the church is. They're going to figure it out from us because we are supposed to be the pillar, the foundation of the truth. This is not the church, guys. Got that? This is not the church. What you see, when you drive in the parking lot, that's not the church. Look around you. This is the church. The people are the church. Okay? That's a building. It's physical address they don't want each other on. That's the physical. I can give you the phone number, give you the email address, give you the Wi-Fi code. It's all got one. But it's still just an inanimate object that we use for the church. This is the pillar of foundation of the truth. That's why it's so important that 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 building, that building couldn't talk the truth ever without us in it. If we all leave, how much truth is it going to talk when, when if somebody, if a homeless guy walks by in front out here, right through there, we see him on camera, we know he's there, how much truth is, the, is, that, is that building going to teach you? How much? <clears throat> None. Why not? It's a church. No, it's not. It's just a building. We're the church. Okay? Now, let's move on. Look at what he says next. He says, these are the things at the end of that verse, uh, he said, instead they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them. And he said, these are the things you are to teach and insist on. Now remember, he's taking this stuff to the Christians at Ephesus. And then these letters are going to be translated. They're going to be transformed all over the place. They're going to take, take it. They're going to be carried to different places. And other people, other members of churches and other places are going to see them. You know, they're going to get the, maybe the church from Philippi. They're going to get, they're going to get that letter. They're, they're going to get maybe the writings of Luke, maybe the, the writings that, that were sent to Theophilus. Maybe there's going to be copies made, and they're going to get that. They're not going to have this in a compilation like this. They're not going to have that. They're going to have different letters. All right? And so when you look at this and you say, okay, we're very fortunate. We're very fortunate what we have. God was very, very good to us to, to compile this and keep it pristine for us. Okay? And he said, he said, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant
godliness is a means to a financial gain. Huh. Man, I teach for a month on this. You know, there is so much of this going on. So much of it going on in our society today that people have figured out that this is a means to an end to gain resources and gain finances. And they teach stuff that is ungodly, unholy, and it's unbiblical. I'm telling you. Did you ever look at that link I sent you, man? Did you look at it? Uh, you know, just okay. So tell me, you know, what do I what do I do with this text? Right? What do I do with this text? I got a couple of I got a couple of places I want to take you. All right? Tell me before we go there. I want to take you back to the slavery thing because I I got a, 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 a verse at the top of this next page that I forgot about. I want to take the Romans chapter six for just a second before we get into this. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get back to this, but uh, I want you to look at Romans chapter six. I think this is extremely important. All right, it's what Vincent was talking about. Listen, what this says: Romans chapter six, and starting in verse uh, <coughs> verse seventeen. Now listen to this, and this is the text Matthew wants you to listen. But thanks be to God. That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that, was, that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I used to be a slave to sin. But because of my obedience to the truth my, and my adherence to the truth, I have now changed allegiances. I am no longer a slave to sin. That's what repentance means. I am now a slave to righteousness. What's the difference? What's the difference? Of being one on one hand a slave to sin and on the other hand being a slave to righteousness. In, in one, on one hand, my God was myself, my job, people, money, stuff, materialism, all that became my God. A slave to sin. Slave to everything that Satan will use to untrack, unsettle, and unseat me. Okay? On the other hand, a slave to righteousness, what does what? It adheres to what? One God. And whatever he says is what I do. Whatever he says is where I'll go. I'm going to do what he tells me to do, and I'm going to try to I'm going to abandon all of these gods for this God. That's what a slave to righteousness does. Now, you have to ask yourself, have I done that? Have I done that? So I have I, have I eliminated the gods in my life, the gods that were clearly not in accordance with God's truth, and have I made the one God my life? Have I done that? And if not, why not? And if not, how do I get there? What do I do? What do you think? Have I done that first? I have done that. I have repented of my life, and have turned away from my sin, and have strived to go to Have I arrived everywhere I want? No. Not by a long shot. I'm still, I'm still marching that way. That's why I'm following Jesus, guys. That's not why I'm not in the lead. I'm following. That's, that's what that means. So on one hand, I'm a slight to sin at some point. But now, you know, what does he say here? He said, he said, uh, I have come to obey from the heart the form of teaching to which was delivered to me. You know, that teaching, that truth of the teaching. God doesn't teach lies. They didn't teach lies. They taught the truth. They taught a pattern of truth. What was that pattern of truth? We looked at, at, at Acts chapter 8, and it says that, that
that Philip was in that in that chariot with that Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading from Isaiah 53, and he doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. He just said, I don't know. It's a guy talking about himself. It's talking about somebody else. And said, Philip got up in that in his chariot and began at that scripture and preached unto him what? Jesus. The very next verse says what? He said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? And my question is, how do you know? How do you know he needed to be baptized? How? How do you know that? Because Philip taught him that because that was the form of teaching they were delivering. The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the plan of salvation of God. And it, and it turned them into Acts chapter 2. What happens to those folks? He said, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? You killed the only son of God. What can we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And that's what they did. The form of teaching that was delivered takes you from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness. If that's not what you've done, there's something. There's not something wrong with God's plan. Something wrong with the way you implement God's plan. Would you say that's true? If repentance has not happened in your life, you know how you'll know? Go look at what God says it looks like what a disciple looks like. And ask yourself if that's what I'm doing. Jesus said, if you don't do this, you can't don't call yourself one. Because you aren't one. He said, I'm not doing this, this is it. He said, don't call yourself one, because you're not doing one. Yes, ma'am. This translation says, you yielded wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience. The form of teaching to which you were doing. Truth of the gospel, the truth of their what these guys were saying. Now, go back over to, to, to first, uh, first Timothy 6. And then he says, there's going to be teachers that are going to come along that aren't going to put up with this. They're not going to, they're not going to listen to this. They don't care about this. You know, they have decided, this is what we were talking about Friday night, remember? We were talking about the empty, I think, it, what was it, empty words? What is that verse said, empty, what does he say here? They quarrel about things that don't matter about nothing. You know, look at what he said. He said, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and the godly teaching, they're conceited and understand nothing. They have no have an unhealthy interest in controversy and quarrel about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think, how can you be robbed of the truth? Tell me how you can be robbed of the truth. How do you think you can be robbed of the truth today? How do you think that could happen? Tell me, how do you think it could happen that that you're not in this category here where you're being robbed of the truth. Believe the wrong thing. Okay. False teachers. Huh? False teachers. False teachers. Yeah. Huh? It's a hard heart. It's a hard heart. You caught in a weak moment and you believe. Okay. Okay. You know, for, some, for you to be robbed, what has to happen? Somebody has to come and rob you. Right? Right? Somebody has to come and rob you. You ever been, you ever been robbed? Have you ever been robbed? Anybody ever been stolen from? Yes. I came to my shop one day, and, uh, and the door's hanging wide open. I know that ain't right. And I walk in, and things are stuff. You know, stuff's everywhere. And, uh, and I saw how they got in. I pretty much knew who it was. Nothing I could do. You know, nothing I could do. I know how it felt. I was going to jail at that time, and I, I decided I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to put a dog in my, in my shop. I'm going to get a mean dog. I'm going to get a dog and eat your leg off. I was mad. Or I was sitting there all night long every night with a gun. So I went to the jail and I'm, and I'm, I'm still upset. I'm talking, I'm talking a bunch of criminals. I've got 17 criminals in here. And they're, and they're oh, man, man, I'm so sorry for you. I know if it's been, they've been on the outside, they've probably been the one that did it. We're talking to this one guy. He says, can I be honest with you? He says, sure, absolutely. 
He said, put a dog in your shop. Go ahead. He said, if I want your stuff, he said, I'm going to take your stuff. I don't care how many dogs you put in. He said, I'm going to find a way to take your stuff. I guess dogs out. <laughs> They'll just kill the dog. The, the, the point is, if somebody has to rob you, somebody has to do something to take it from you, you then you have to let it. You know, if you leave your house with all the doors open and the windows open and, and a sign out front says, come rob me, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, and nobody's here, come on and get my stuff. Oh, by the way, the safe is in the bedroom. You know, what do you think is going to happen? Somebody's going to come rob you. We do that though, you know. We act, we act like, you know, hey, Satan, it's okay. I don't really, not, I don't really know about buying stuff. Paul's talking about, so I'm not going to really put it. I'm just going to open the door and hey, you want to come in? Just come on. We do it to ourselves sometimes. We let the robbery happen in our lives. What about when somebody comes? You know, what about a preacher? You going to hold my feet to the fire? You going to hold Cole's feet to the fire? Are you? Do you? Are you going to go home? Are you going to study and find out for sure what we're saying is the truth? I want to take you to a text. Look at First uh, First Thessalonians. No, uh, yeah, Second Thessalonians. The ne next book back. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Chapter two and verse ten. Chapter two, and verse ten. Next book back. And I'm not going to read all this about the. This is about the man of lawless. And I'm going to read. All. I just want. There's a text here. I want you to look at. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Do you have you fallen in love with the truth? Yeah. And what does that look like when you fall in love with the truth? Can't, what does it look like? Can't get enough. Can't get enough. I've been with my wife for 50 years. And we're going to be together as long as God sees fit. Through ups and downs, through whatever, whatever comes, whatever doesn't come, we're going to be together. Y'all been together 40 years. Has it always been peaches and, and cream? Has not, has it? There's been some ups and downs. We've dealt with some roller coasters, right? Yeah. That's okay. That's normal. That's normal stuff. You know? If I fall in love with the truth, what am I going to put up with from my wife that I need to put up with from the truth? I'm going to put up what I think is perceived to be inconsistencies. That maybe aren't. They aren't because I know her personality. I know her. I know her better than any of y'all know her. You never know her the way I know her. And I know the things that are inconsistencies. You know, and and I and I can perceive inconsistencies here. And I've got to decide I'm going to love it anyway. And then I'm going to learn. Wait a minute, it's not an inconsistency after all. You know what? It's not her. It's me. Oh my gosh! What an eye-opening experience to find out it wasn't her at all. It was me that was the problem. Go figure. I've seen people walk away from God because they perceived that God lied to them and didn't love them. It wasn't the case. They lied to him and didn't love him at all. And it was easy to walk away because they didn't have anything to stay for. Because they wouldn't let themselves have anything to stay for. You know, to make God the Lord of your life you have to eliminate the other gods. What are they? People, jobs, stuff. You have to eliminate them. Because if you can't give God everything, you're going to give him only a pittance, and that's never going to be good enough. It's just a fact. You know, I'm going to fall in love with the truth. I've got to make sure who's preaching me. 
Get online. I challenge you. Get online and get on YouTube. Just get on YouTube and start. Just look at just bring up preachers and start listening to them. And then come tell me who you listen to. And we'll talk about it. There are prosperity preachers out there that that almost every sermon they preach is cured one way. One way. There are secret sensitive teachers out there that are that they are looking for people, they are looking to change the way they, they approach worship as to what their congregants need and want them to they're gonna they're looking to entertain. That's what he's talking about here. He said these guys think that they're gonna get financial gain. I told you about one. I heard one the other day said, you know, if you wanted me to be a pastor, he said, I didn't even know what that was. Really? And you're gonna be First off, it's not a preacher. I said the other day, I told, told I think Friday night, I said, call him a pastor. He's not a pastor. That's not what the word means. He's a minister. He's not He's not a pastor. Yeah, yeah go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, Matthew 10, 16, I'm assuming you're out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That's in Matthew 10, right? Matthew 10. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, we have to be a, we have to be cunning. We have to be aware. You know, I made phone I made a phone call yesterday to someone to to, to come, remind them what time it was the service is going to be, and and, uh, and get a phone call. Dan gets a phone call from them and says, "Oh, I got to go to work." You know, if you will, if you want to find a way to love the truth, then you got to get get rid of the things in your life that are a hindrance to finding. Ask yourself. You know, sometimes we think there's no other way to do this. There's no other job. There's no other people. There's no other friends. And I'm telling you, that's not true. When you decide that you're going to trust God with everything you have, then trust God with everything you have. Trust Him. Is He going to let you down? No. You may perceive He has, but that doesn't mean He has. Here He said this thing. He said these people are corrupt. It's just empty words that they want to talk about. And we've seen it happen in the church today. We've seen it happen all over the place where people get all torqued up over something somebody said or didn't say and it didn't have anything to do with nothing. You see whole families, I've seen families corrode and upheaval because somebody, some mother, some father, some sister, some brother said something and it was it was off, out of character, out of line, shouldn't have been said. But instead of going and finding out how do we forgive each other, they, everybody blows up and now we've got a crisis on our hands, and we've got a family disintegrating in front of us. What happens? You know? His fault, her fault, nobody's fault. Doesn't matter. What matters? Am I going to listen to what God tells me to do? Am I going to be that person? And if not, then your God has become yourself. Your God has become your rhetoric. Your God has become your life. And I'm going to follow my God instead of the God. And if we do that, Love for the truth won't be a part of your repertoire. It won't. We're going to keep talking about this because I believe that having a love for the truth has it means something. You better you got to apply something in your life. If you're going to really say you have a love for the truth, then do something. Show it to God that I have love for the truth. All right? I think that's a lifestyle that's going to be evident to people. All right? We'll talk about it some more next week. Thanks, guys.